Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Filter Watch, a small media's monthly podcast on internet policy in Iran. I'm Mo Hosseini. Last month, we discussed the role of social media and the internet in Iran's presidential elections. We looked back at Rouhani's last election promises in 2013 and discussed whether he has lived up to them in the years since. We also discussed Telegram plays in Iranian politics, digging into the nitty-gritty of rumors about possible collusion between the company and the Iranian government. On May 19, Iranian went to the pools and delivered clear victory for President Hassan Rouhani, who crushed the hardliner candidate Ibrahim Raisi by 57% to 38% and secured a second term in office. In this episode, we will look back at the two candidate presidential campaigns and we'll see how both camps made use of social media to try and win public support. The social media landscape has shifted dramatically since the last election in 2013 and I will be speaking with my colleague James Merchant about some of the ways this changed the contest. But first off, here's a quick roundup of the latest development in internet policy. Vice President of Iran Eshaq Jahangiri launched the first phase of Iran's national fiber-optic network in Tehran. According to Mayor News, the first phase consists of 245,000 connections in Tehran, 85,000 in Isfahan, 80,000 in Mashhad, 61,000 in Shiraz, 61,000 in Khuzestan, and 21,000 in Karaj. Deputy ICT Minister Barat Khanberi said users of the new fiber-optic network will have access to high-speed internet with speeds ranging between 50 megabytes to 100 megabytes. President Rouhani stated in a press conference that citizens had only maintained access to social media because his government has stood and fought for internet freedom. He also criticized the recent arrest of 12 Telegram admins, saying that no one should be arrested for their political beliefs. ICT Minister Mahmoud Abouazi said that Rouhani's government has been requesting that Twitter be unblocked but that this is the ultimately decision for the filtering committee to make. Director of Telecommunication Company of Iran, Barat Kambari, announced that over the last year, a million Iranians have gained fiber-optic internet access. He hopes that this will increase by end of the March 2018. The Statistical Center of Iran has announced that the number of Iranians on social media tripled in between March 2016 and March 2017. Those were the headlines. Next up, we will be talking about the role of social media platforms in the recent presidential election. The last presidential elections in 2013 came at the end of the long period of information controls where the Ahmadinejad government imposed tight censorship of online expression. As a result, politicians failed to really make use of social media platforms to get their messages to the electorate. Since then, the Rouhani government has been slowly relaxing pressure on online expression and social media platforms like Telegram and Instagram have grown very quickly. But what effect has this had on election campaign in Iran? I'm joined now by my colleague James Merchant to discuss this a little more. James, welcome to Filter Watch. Thanks for having me. 
I think really in the past four years, we've seen the whole social media landscape in Iran changing quite dramatically. Um, so I think previously in 2013, um, this was kind of a period where Twitter and Facebook were still the dominant and most leading platforms even within the Iranian Iranian audiences. Uh, despite the fact that both of these platforms were blocked officially by authorities. And so since that time, you've seen the emergence of Telegram, um, you've seen Instagram really start to take off um, amongst Iranian users in a, in a really huge way. Um, like Telegram has probably around 40 million users in Iran at this point. Um, Instagram, I mean, there aren't really any reliable figures available for the past year or so, but we're looking at probably around 10 to 12 million Instagram users. So um, this is really where the, the kind of growth in Iranian user base has, has taken place. Um, and at the same time, you've really seen um, Twitter remain fairly stagnant. So you've you've seen a little bit of growth in, in kind of the Twitter user base in Iran, um, partly as a result of um, kind of the deregulation of um, internet censorship so that internet service providers are responsible for implementing um, censorship. So there were reports last year that, that Twitter was being made available by some of Iran's larger ISPs. So you've seen some audience growth within Iran in that respect. Um, but really, the vast majority of the growth in terms of social media usage has been on Instagram and has been on Telegram, just because these platforms are kind of unambiguously not blocked um, and very easily accessible to Iranian users. So in the election campaign, we saw a huge search in candidate using Instagram Live. Why do you think this might be? I think the growth um, in kind of the influence of Instagram and of Instagram Live in this campaign um, comes because there's this growing recognition by both the Rouhani campaign and Raisi, um, politicians from across the political spectrum, that in order to um, reach voters directly, and especially to reach this really valuable um, kind of youth sector of the electorate, um, you really need to go to where where these users are. Um, so uh, young people's, uh, like their engagement with traditional media outlets, so like Iran's newspapers um, or state television, IRIB, um, is generally lower than average. Um, at least that's the assumption made by a number of recent studies. Um, and so, but, but, but at the same time, their engagement with Instagram, with platforms like Telegram, um, is sky high. So Rouhani in this election was completely, um, like absolutely had to mobilize his, his youth turnout, um, mobilize his base. Um, in order to secure his re-election, which he managed to do so. Um, and Raisi really recognised that he had to cut into, or at least attempt to cut into, um, this youth vote if he had any chance of, of winning the election. Um, and so both both candidates, I think, saw a need to engage with this section of the electorate outside of 
traditional um, media channels like TV and, and newspapers. Um, and it's uh, and Instagram Live took on particular importance for Rouhani, I feel, because um, at a number of points throughout the campaign, Rouhani developed this very kind of adversarial, um, kind of critical, um, like engaged in lots of criticisms of IRIB as an institution and said that the coverage being offered to his campaign was unfair. Um, that they were offering more airtime to surrogates from conservative campaigns. Um, and so I think Rouhani saw social media um, as a way of kind of cutting out any mediators between him and the electorate, so giving him this direct bridge to to the youth vote. So, um, And that was really formed quite a key part of his, his electoral strategy, was, was getting these young people to turn out and vote in large numbers. Um, which they did in the end. How effectively did conservative candidates use social media in this election? Are they still far behind the reformists in their online campaigning? This election, I think, was really the first time that you saw conservative candidates using social media effectively. Um, I mean, frankly, in 2013, um, all of the conservatives pretty much sucked because there were no... There was no way that they could really engage with Facebook or Twitter because these these sites were were blocked. Um, and it would be incredibly hypocritical of them to to use them to to engage with the public. Plus, they didn't really seem to have an understanding of of how influential these platforms can be. Um, so, Raisi in this campaign really did um, invest a lot of energy and a lot of um, resources into creating content for for Instagram, for um, for Telegram. The, the campaigns, like his and Rouhani's campaign, were actually fairly comparable in terms of uh, the number of followers they they had, the number of kind of times their content was shared, and just the sophistication um, of the content that was being produced. So you had a lot of Raisi um, supporters creating kind of these image memes that were really widely shared on Instagram um, and on Telegram. You also saw um, fairly professional and snappy videos being produced that were were very shareable. Um, same goes for infographics um, and kind of this striking visual content, um, which um, in the parliamentary elections last year were deployed pretty much exclusively by the reformist campaigns. Um, so in, I think in the space of the last year, the professionalism um, of conservative uh, campaigns online has really come on um, an incredible way. And I think this shows this growing recognition from conservatives that you can't ignore these digital spaces like as much as they don't like them and think that they pose threats to um, kind of morality or um, political stability um, th- there's really no way of, of ignoring these channels of communication if they want to actually um, connect with the electorate um, and so the way that Raisi used Instagram Live, he tried to present himself as this, as this moderate. Um, at one point, talking about his his wife, who's a university professor at Sh- uh, Shahid Beheshti University, 
um, and talking about how like his support of gender equality of um, other issues that previously um, weren't necessarily associated with his um, political brand. Um, so, so yeah, I, th- I think conservative candidates really try to seize the opportunity to um, reinvent themselves um, and to, to more aggressively target the youth vote. Um, and although they were ultimately unsuccessful in doing this, um, I think this is probably going to mark the beginning of, of a fairly significant change in the way that Iranian conservatives position themselves online. Why did candidate invest so much energy in the online campaign this time around? Um, I think partly this comes, like I said, from from the recognition that it's important to to reach the youth vote using these channels. Um, but at the same time, I think really this election was unprecedented just in the number of um, Iranian users that were online um, and that could be reached through these social media platforms. So since 2013, you've seen um, really massive expansion of internet access um, and increases in internet speeds, um, lower cost internet um, as a result of Rouhani's internet infrastructure development policies um, and the gradual development of, um, well, yeah, just this massive expansion of infrastructure across Iran. Um, which has brought high-speed internet access to millions of citizens. So it's much easier for the electorate to um, engage with online content, to share content, um, and to engage in these conversations online. So um, I think candidates have really started to recognize this fact um, and as a result have poured all their time and all their energy um, into fighting fighting these political battles in these spaces. Now that Rouhani has a second term and a large mandate, do you think we will see the administration further lift restriction online? I think this is an interesting question because um, Rouhani, in the final stages of the campaign, really tried to reposition himself as um, a radical reformer um, and kind of in opposition to a lot of these kind of hardline institutions of the Islamic Republic, whether that's IRIB or the Revolutionary Guard. Um, He spoke out frequently about how his government was the only thing standing between, um, say, the Filtering Committee and Supreme Council of Cyberspace. Um, and greater regulation of, of internet policy. Um, so he he's spoken a lot about how his government is a moderating influence on the internet policy landscape in Iran. Um, but also we have to remember that he spoke a lot about these kinds of challenges back in 2013. Um, and that that he has he has form of making promises that he doesn't necessarily deliver on. Um, so, and I, and I think the institutional landscape in Iran ultimately doesn't change. So you still got the filtering committee um, dominated by conservatives. You still got the Supreme Council of Cyberspace um, with heavy conservative influences. You still have the judiciary with the power to 
um, intervene in these internet policy discussions. Um, and I think the Rouhani administration will probably continue to to put a check on on these other conservative institutions. And I think the Rouhani administration will, generally speaking, um, obstruct the the most controlling and kind of hardline instincts of the Iranian establishment. Um, but I don't. I, I would be very surprised if it invested huge amounts of political capital in actually rolling back the censorship of um, platforms like Twitter, like Facebook. Um, and I think it, that is the, the, the battles that we've seen taking place over the past four years um, are probably fairly likely to rumble on throughout Rouhani's second term. James, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's all for today. Today is also my last Filter Watch podcast with Small Media. I have to say it's been a real pleasure to go on this journey with you. We will be continuing to publish monthly Filter Watch reports on internet policy in Iran. So keep an eye on our website for more details. Make sure to check out our other podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please also make sure to subscribe and review our podcast. If you are interested in all other internet policy news from this past month, be sure to check out our latest Filter Watch report. Lastly, please make sure to follow us on Twitter at small underscore media and visit us online at smallmedia.org.uk. Thanks for listening.